Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're going to do a little psychology review. Any psychology majors or you took it in high school maybe? We're going to be looking right now at the self-iceberg, okay? So you see this is an iceberg and it is floating in water. So the stuff above the water line is in the conscious mind and the stuff below the water line is in the unconscious mind. So we have to start with the id. The id is our basis, human desires to do whatever we want, whenever we want, because we want to, okay? Now the ego helps to kind of mitigate that. That's the part of ourselves that says, gosh, you know, I may want to have lunch right now, but I do have to finish this meeting and I'll get lunch with everybody else afterwards. So the ego tells us the acceptable time and place. It tells us the reality of what it means to be human and how we must regulate ourselves. But the superego, very interesting, because it is the part of ourselves that shows the ideal self. That's the part of ourself as Christians that develops around age five and helps us to know right from wrong, to know better from best. The ego has the ideal. And it also is responsible for guilt and shame, which keeps us on the right path. So it's kind of like the ego is ourselves, and the id is like the little shoulder devil, and the superego is like the little shoulder angel, okay? Now another thing we hear a lot about in psychology, a little bit more psychology about the self, we have these words that we hear a lot right now, self-knowledge, self-worth, self-esteem, and self-confidence. Now, all of these have to do with how we see ourselves in the world. The first one, self-knowledge, reminds us how well and how accurately we see ourselves. Do we understand how we will act, how we will feel, our own strengths, our preferences, our weaknesses? And um, the quote that I always think of with self-knowledge is from Socrates that says, Know thyself. How well do you know yourself? Now, self-worth has to do with how valuable you see yourself as, okay? Self-esteem, how important you are. Now, this can get out of whack. If you go way too far on one side, then you become arrogant and indulgent and self-important and entitled. On the other side, if you feel like you are absolutely nothing and you have low self-esteem, you're not good enough for anything, that's terrible. You can't have that either. And then finally, self-confidence. Self-confidence reminds us of how brave we are, how we are able to face the world and how we can stand up and do what needs to be done. Now, you may be wondering, why is Pastor Elizabeth going into all this psychobabble right now? Well, because we have a situation in our gospel today with the two brothers, James and John. Those two brothers in our gospel, after hearing Jesus' big announcement, Jesus has just said, I am going to go to Jerusalem to be crucified and to die. And immediately they ignore all that. And what happens? James and John run up to Jesus and say, excuse us, we have something to ask. 
Look what it says here in Mark 10. And they said to Jesus, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Can you imagine? They have just missed the whole point of what Jesus is saying. And they are wanting to ensure that they get VIP seating in heaven. Really, James and John? No wonder the other disciples are angry about it. Jesus had just taught them about how when you go to a dinner, make sure that you sit in the seat that is furthest away from the host, and then you're invited to come up closer as a place of honor. Because if you plop yourself right down on the right hand of the host, what if someone more important or the guest of honor arrives and you're asked to go and sit somewhere else? We have to be humble. So this is why we're talking today about keeping our egos in check. Now, Paul wrote about this in his letters to, letter to the Philippians. Look at this wonderful definition. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let us each look not to our own interest, but to the interest of others. This is a perfect definition of what it means to be humble, to put others before ourselves, to not think of ourselves in a haughty way. All of us have had to learn to be humble. So let me tell you about one time I had to. Story time. So I remember as a young pastor being frustrated when I would come to council meetings and I would see people open up their devotions and read the devotions right out of a book. I spent a lot of time preparing Bible studies and uh, getting ready for devotion, you know, things. So I got frustrated when it looked like people were just like grabbing something off the shelf, flipping it open, ah, boom, and reading something. So I mentioned this at one of our council meetings. And I said, you know, it is pretty important that we spend time focusing on what it is that we are doing for our devotions. And this was right after a man in his mid-30s had just given his devotion. Now, after the whole council meeting was over, this man came up to me and he said, Pastor Elizabeth, I just want to tell you that I think I spent about an hour looking through about seven different devotion books, trying to find the perfect devotion that would fit for today. And I'm sorry if you didn't like it. Oh, I felt so horrible. Here someone had done their absolute best, and I had arrogantly told them that it wasn't good enough. I had to apologize. And I was reminded that I need to be humble. Now in Philippians 2, 13, there's a wonderful way that this whole passage on humility ends. It is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to work and to will for his good pleasure. God is the one who is at work here. It wasn't that guy who was bringing devotions. God was the one bringing the devotion. You are the hands and the feet of Jesus. 
You are the eyes and the ears and the mouth of God. God gives us the will to do what it is we are to do. God gives us the work that we are to do. Now, if that doesn't make you humble, I don't know what will. But the question then remains, well, what is my job to do then? Our job is to be ready, to keep our eyes peeled and open, looking for where God is already at work and seeing how we can assist and help into what God's already doing. Look at this passage from Mark 10. At the very end here, Jesus then says to his disciples, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. Did you hear that? If you want to be great, you're going to be a servant. If you want to be first, you're going to be a slave. Now this kind of takes us down a peg, doesn't it? Brings us back to all those wonderful id and superego and ego things we talked about at the very beginning. So if we who bear that cross of Jesus Christ through our baptism, look at modern psychology. We do have self-knowledge. Our self-knowledge is in the person of Jesus Christ. We do have self-worth. We are valuable, and we've been told that, because Jesus on the cross died for each of us. That's how valuable you are. And self-esteem? <laughs> Jesus is my all in all. Jesus is our all in all. There's nothing that's going to give us more esteem than God Almighty. And finally, self-confidence. We get that because we are the ones who are called by Jesus to go out into the world to give service and to spread the good news. We are having that bravery imbued in our very being because God has said to each one of us, serve and tell. So really, when it comes down to the very end, the last bit of Mark 10 in verse 45 says this, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not to be served, but to serve. Jesus gave his life for all of you, for me. And this is where humility is so important because it reminds us that we don't worship a God that is full of glory, the theology of glory, where everything's good and hunky-dory and happy. We Lutherans focus on the theology of the cross, knowing that suffering and pain exist in this world. And we are here to help any way that we can. So let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for the gift of this passage to remind us to keep our egos in check. Lord God, you have made us, and we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And Lord God, help us to truly hear and see this week places where we can serve you 
and where we can share your love with others. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.